Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. How you doing? Um, I'm all right. Did Santa visit the Flood household? He did. He did. What uh, toys and goodies did he bring? Well, you know, my kids are my kids are beyond the age of, you know, that peak Christmas age where they they really get excited about uh, it. I mean, they get excited, but the things they ask for are different. Like nowadays they want clothes. Really? Or cologne. I don't know if I've ever asked for clothes. <laughs> or, or cologne. <laughs> yeah, or uh, expensive things like new cars and headphones and a television the size of a billboard along I-15. Things okay. like that. They don't get those things, I want to, you know. But, <laughs> but yeah, they're all, our youngest are teenagers and... So it's uh, it's different than when you know when they're eight they wanted a Susie talks a lot or whatever yeah <laughs> but it was we good. we had it a few good. dolls given out yeah it was a good time some uh, technology gifts yeah you know I got a carpet cleaner I'm gonna clean our carpets mm. we might Finally. have to might have to borrow that borrow that yeah. Or maybe just hire you. Hire me. That's good. I, I could use the money. <laughs> oh, I wasn't going to um, pay you. <laughs> okay. I could use the time. I could. Sp- I, I need something to do uh, with my time, too. That, that'd probably be a good idea. Maybe you got a little side gig coming up here. Until I wear that thing out. Yeah. Costco special. Costco has, that's a business opportunity there, because Costco has such good return policy. If you just used all that stuff yeah. repeatedly and then said, I don't know why this thing, I've been, you know, I've been... Following instructions, cleaning carpets, and it's broken again. I get it. Just get a new one. And well, sir, if you're doing forty houses, this looks <laughs> like you did forty houses. Well, no, sixty-five. But <laughs> I uh, went through all the, the last, documentation. It doesn't tell me I can't clean sixty-five houses. Yeah, this one broke after uh, the, the other one broke after thirty-five houses. So sixty-five is pretty good. Give me another one of these. REI used to have a really good return policy, to where people would buy a pair of shoes, say, mm-hmm. and would wear them for years. And when they wore out, they would take them back and return them. <laughs> and REI would take them and, <laughs> you know, basically... Take the loss, huh? Rent. You would rent this equipment for free. I, I know people would go on a backpacking trip and they'd go buy all new stuff at REI, the best stuff they had, the most expensive tents and sleeping bags. Uh-huh. They'd go on their trip and then they'd come back and just return all the stuff. Uh, and that always felt a little sketchy to me. That's how they had the garage sale <laughs> right. thing evolved out right. of that, right? Yeah, and I think they still do have a pretty good return policy, but I don't know if it's that good. Yeah, anymore. Costco's return policy had to uh, be changed when I, I knew a guy that worked there, and he. Um, this is why you got to be careful of your dentist. He became a dentist, but uh, <laughs> later he, uh, he had decided the return policy was so good he'd just buy a television and then return it every six months to get the better television. Right. Yeah. So they have the ninety day technology. Today, uh, today's December twenty sixth. It is. Merry Christmas, everyone. It is. Uh, speaking of returns and things, it is Boxing Day, which I still don't really understand what that means. But uh, it, 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 in in what do they call the uh, the uh, Country still under the monarchical rule of uh, the crown, the British crown. They call those the. Uh, uh, there's a name. Commonwealth, for the protectorate, com- Commonwealth countries. So Canada, of course, Canada is more under the the Chinese uh, rule nowadays. But uh, Canada, Australia, it's uh, New Zealand, where they have a single source of truth. Yeah, just for propaganda purposes, <clears throat> I'll just read a little Wikipedia here. Box. <laughs> Yeah, single source of truth. Thanks. I'm too tired for that, man, today. <laughs> Let's not do the whole New Zealand depression thing. Um, 
Boxing Day is a holiday celebrated after Christmas, occurring on the second day of Christmas Tide, December 26th. Though it originated as a holiday to give gifts to people in need, today Boxing Day forms part of Christmas celebrations with many people choosing to take advantage of Boxing Day sales. It originated in the UK, celebrated in several Commonwealth nations. Uh, the attached bank holiday or public holiday may take place on the 28th of December if necessary to ensure it falls on a weekday. It's also convenient. It's also concurrent with the Christian festival St. Stephen's Day. Well, that didn't tell us Saint Stephen, very much. I'm going to go back to this article from the Economic Times of the India Times. Okay. Shrouded in historical curiosities and evolving traditions, it transcends its origins to become global, a globally observed occasion. Despite the name's misleading connotation, this holiday is rooted in Victorian England and reflects generosity, maritime rituals, and diverse cultural adaptations. Uh, what is Boxing Day? What's the origin? Hailing from Victorian England, it extends beyond the boxing sports associations. Its nomenclature originated when, and now it's popped up an ad, when the affluent boxed surplus items for the less fortunate. Hmm. Servants lauded for their toil received special boxes filled with treats. Concurrently, maritime tradition saw ships carrying sealed boxes of fortunes destined for the needy. So you would box up, it sounds like, you would box up the stuff you didn't want for charitable purposes. So it was the original Virtue Signal Day. Could be. When I was in Canada, um, I went to the mall on Boxing Day. And uh, the stores, you know, the stores at a mall have those, like, gates that they can close. When the big yeah. uh, roll-down gates or and these sideways ones, gates. These ones, if I remember right, they, they would close from side to side. And so they would... They it's had like an accordion of steel bars. They had them closed uh, other than about a two-foot gap. In Canada. Yeah, on Boxing Day. And mind, mind the gap. They would allow a person in to shop like once every five minutes to prevent being overwhelmed by all the shoppers. And so you'd wait in line. You want to go outside. Well, in the mall. Yeah. Yeah. Outside in the mall. Yeah. So you're waiting in the hallway or whatever they might call that, the mall way. And uh, you must, you had to have really wanted to get into, you know, PacSun or uh, J Crew or whatever the store was or Cinnabon. Because mm-hmm. you had to wait, and then when you're in there... You had to wait to get into Cinnabon? Well, I don't know. <laughs> Isn't that just a counter? It is. Keep going, keep going, keep but going. Anyway, I just found that interesting, and, and I think it's become sort of like Black Friday, uh, where it's like, let's go, let's, go, uh, let's go spend more money rather than help out the less fortunate with all of the crap that Aunt Matilda gave us that we don't want. (laughs) But uh, anyway, today is that day. (laughs) Right. And in San Francisco, if you give this stuff out that you don't want to the the homeless, to the um, disadvantaged, they will just take it back to the store and get what they want. Yeah, well, they may not even take it back to the store. They'll just go to the store and get what they want. They'll just, uh, as it was at the wink, New York wink, Times, wink. the New York Times that rebranded shoplifting and looting as shopping without money. Is that did they <laughs> really? <laughs> yes, somebody did that. I think it was the New York Times. Sounds like the Babylon Bee kind of. Well, uh, I hope everybody out there had a good Christmas day yesterday. And a good Christmas Eve. I think we should get back to celebrating Christmas Tide, where it's like 24, 25, 26. It's just a three day celebration of Christmas. Like a festival? Yeah. Because we're, Festivus. especially in the United States, we are so eager to get right back to work. Like, well, got to show up. It's a Tuesday, December 26th. Why aren't you in the office? Is it still the way it is, guys? You guys got a comment on the uh, mindvirus.show website. This is the Mind Virus Show. It is December 26th. I'm Jordan Bruno. 
You are. And I'm Bobby Flood. And uh, we are having the Mind Virus podcast here. Um, comment, let us know if that's the way it really is, if people are really still pushing you to get back to work. Uh, since the quote-unquote pandemic, um, aren't a lot of people working at home? Um, yeah, so... You know, yeah, I mean, that's the, think, that's my question. Are we really that interested in work now? I'm, or has has I think that has the culture shifted? I think there's been some shift back to the old ways to get people back in the office. I yeah. know, uh, uh, and some people I've talked to, they were at home like a hundred percent of the time through like 2022, but then this year it's like 50-50. You know, they work at home, but they get them into the office and. I have some family, younger family, you know, usually the younger kids are working retail or whatever. They're, they're at work. So yeah, all the wealthy right. people can exchange their gifts. Right. You know. And go out to eat. And, yeah. But, all those uh, services industries, but. I, I think your, you know, your white collar or your uh, polo shirt jobs. I think a lot of those probably still have some people that work from home, but. We're going to talk about movies today. Was that the idea? Uh, I don't know. I didn't watch any movies. Did you? I did. Actually. Which one did you see? I, I watched. I watched a whole bunch of Christmas movies. Not necessarily on purpose. It just sort of worked out that way. So like Die Hard. I didn't get to Die Hard. Gremlins. I, I was. I was. I was not the one in control of the remote. But oh, we watched. Uh, we watched. It's a Wonderful Life. Okay. Followed by Elf. It was like back to back. Two of the top uh, Christmas movies, and then of we all watched time, Arthur opinion. Christmas. I haven't seen that one. Um, it's not bad. I I don't like the animation style, and so that kind of clouds my judgment. But yeah, sometimes they settle on these bizarre animation styles for mm-hmm. for these movies, right. and you're like, okay. But uh, you last get a whole movie out of this. Last week we thought about maybe ranking or talking about our our favorite Christmas shows, Christmas movies. Okay, let's do that. Okay. Totally unprepared. I'm going to find somebody else's top 10 list of Christmas movies. Okay. And we'll go. And I, I'm going to say that on these lists you find, I'll bet It's a Wonderful Life is ranked number one or two on most of them. But I have some things to say about that. National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, number one. Just kidding. They, they, they did rank <laughs> It's a Wonderful Life, number one on the first list that I found at timeout.com. I will post a link to this for no other reason than to give them traffic and having seen that they ranked It's a Wonderful Life, <laughs> number one, and Die Hard, number two. Uh, see, Die Hard... Die Hard, die Hard is a Christmas there's movie. There's a lot of arguments whether Yippee or not Kaye. it's Christmas. yippee Kaye, Santa Claus. Isn't that what he says? Or no, it's yippee Kaye, Other Trucker. Other Truckers, yes. I don't um, know if I've ever seen Die Hard like all the way through. You don't have to. It's, well, it's pretty self-explanatory. <laughs> uh, it's yeah. We I, I think as long as you've seen it more than once. I think this last time I, was the first time I'd ever watched "It's a Wonderful Life" from beginning to end in one sitting. It's a pretty long movie, and uh, it's kind of it's kind of depressing. I mean, George Bailey. That's uh, Jim Jimmy Stewart. He becomes pretty hardened there at the end before he has his uh, Clarence moment. Oh, yeah. He's screaming at his kids all the time, and he's grabbing people by the collar. and He's, he's going to jump from the bridge. Right. But obviously for, for, well, for obvious reasons, it's ranked number one on a lot of people's lists. I think it was... When was it made? Does it say on that list? It's got to be made in 1950-something. I thought it was 1946, but... Uh, it could be. Black and white. 1946, yeah. Black and white, Jimmy Stewart, and his wife, Mary, is played by, uh, what was her name? Donna Reed, was it? Mary. Mary. Where are the children, Mary? Donning, Donna Reed, yes. Um, but... Uh, one of the things that kind of bothered me was that uh, old Mr. Potter, he stole that $8,000. and then, Well, it fell in his lap, right? Well, kind of. But he knew what he was doing. Oh, yeah. 
and uh, there was never any uh, any justice served, you know. But uh, it was a great movie. I'm sure everybody out there seen it. Uh, classic, good message because uh, the message being, of course, that uh, throughout the course of your normal everyday life, you have the capacity to to do a lot of good and to change a lot of lives for the better. Yeah. Even really without trying, if you're just, you know, doing your best. And the Bailey uh, Savings and Loan was kind of that. They were small town, mom and pop mm-hmm. uh, lender. And uh, there's an interesting scene where there's a run on the banks. Uh, you know, the the stock market crash, the run on the banks. And people are, they want their money. And, and George is like, I don't your money's in Joe's house. Yeah, your money's the money's over. not here. It's, it's over not. here. And 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 a few people decide to go over to Potter and and get their money fifty cents on the dollar. They're willing to take half, as if that's a good deal, over uh, loyalty to a guy that's been loyal to, to the community. But well, um, you know, wonderful. It's a wonderful life, in my opinion, especially circa. 2023 the end of the year is excellent it is an excellent social commentary a great movie for tons and tons of reasons and um well at least a few reasons but (laughs) a few very important reasons and that uh episode i think is one of them i mean that wasn't they weren't very far removed from the bank failures of the 40 of the 30s right they'd come out of right the early out. 30s this movie was made right on the heels of the end of world war ii yeah and the great depression and the stock market crash everybody in that movie had lived through that through those things i think uh, some of them obviously had even gone to war war is addressed there in in the movie mm-hmm. george's little brother is a war hero yeah who out there hasn't seen it's a wonderful life raise your hand now leave the room and go watch it's a wonderful (laughs) life so that you can be fully informed you know i i just i'm always reminded of this uh podcast i I don't have a a link to it and i don't i can't remember who sent it to me i'll have to find it now because i'm going to mention it but somebody sent me a jordan peterson you know jordan peterson we we don't talk about him very much Mm mm-hmm uh podcast that he gave at a or it wasn't a podcast it was a speech that he gave at a bible university a religious university right and Mm -hmm. he was building to something it was so bad jordan jordan i expect i was expecting so much more mr peterson (laughs) he had this thing going about whether he believed in god you know people would always ask him that and he's like well i act as if i believe in god i don't have to answer that question and he's right talking about religious ideas and the whole point of his speech. And I think the title of it was, you probably ought to have read the Bible. Mm-hmm. And he makes a really good point. Um, and, but, but his speech is anticlimactic because he could have told something really inspirational about his life about transformative experiences such, uh, that are produced by following biblical principles such as repentance, right? Mm-hmm. Metanoia, which we've talked about, how that's a huge mistranslation. It's misunderstood. He, gave, he could have given some clarity, and he failed miserably. Excuse me for saying that. From from the lowest of the low, Jordan Bruno, to the illustrious uh, Jordan Peterson, <laughs> uh, wealthy beyond belief and widely respected, if but you'd like to come was, on the show and defend yourself, Jordan Peterson, we we could make room for you. Yeah, we could probably, you know, sometime in the first quarter this year, we could probably fit you <laughs> in the schedule. But it was so, uh, such an opportunity missed. And his whole point was, well, you know, you probably ought to have read the Bible because it matters to your culture so much and it matters to your life and it matters to your, who you are and and your your ancestors what where we come from and he he makes a really good point but he missed a, a huge opportunity to inspire well, people maybe he's uh, on to that because he's coming he's got a tour uh, coming up but i think he's coming here to utah and i don't know much about it other than the tour is called we who wrestle with god hmm so maybe he's um 
maybe we should do like a competing tour like we who let god prevail <laughs> um we think jordan should be more specific we we think jordan should be more inspiring no uh yeah the guy's done a lot of good i you know let him he can do what he wants to do but uh the reason i bring that up is because there are certain things you probably ought to have read or ought to have experienced if you're going to be a working contributing part of our culture and one of those I think is it's a movie is the movie it's a wonderful life. Mm-hmm. I mean it is especially if you're young, a younger person and you don't have any recollection of people who fought in World War II, people who lived through the Great Depression. I mean I had a great opportunity to be well acquainted with both sets of my grandparents who mm-hmm. lived during the depression and one of my grandfathers who who fought in World War II who was there on D-Day, you know, watching mm-hmm. from a ship and went in a day or two after mm-hmm. the actual fighting. Um he said the flak was so heavy it was falling like rain. I mean, you don't understand what that means. He, we watched the movie Saving Private Ryan. I've mentioned this before. And he said, he stopped it right after the D-Day scene. He says, that's what it was like. Right. You know, and that's horrific. If you've seen the D-Day scene in Saving Private Ryan, you should not want to ever see another war. Right. Um, and of course, these are all bankers' wars, which bring us right back to Mr. Potter. Mr. Potter was essentially the epitome, the prototype of the banking class at the time, and uh, not a good person, not at all, you know. And getting fifty cents on the dollar, the way that um, the way these people worked uh, would have been better than nothing for a lot of people and they would have been happy to you know it was such a such a difficult time food was scarce enough shelter was scarce enough that and comfort was scarce enough that those people i think that's probably pretty realistic i think if it were actually a realistic movie it's a wonderful life the savings and loan would have failed yeah that would have been it for george bailey when he sees that in his in the alternate universe right well, it's his life without it, right? Yeah, he says, Wait, "Where's the?" Is it just a spin on? Um, is it just a spin on? Chris, it's a Christmas Carol. It's not right. It's a different movie. So it's different. Jo- I'm, because I'm referring to Charles Dickens' Christmas Carol. He do, he's not seeing, you know, what he he's not seeing his past life. He's not seeing the present. He's not, he's not he's seeing not, what might happen if. He's, if what, he doesn't what, change what his Clarence, ways. Clarence the Angel says, you know, uh, they're, they're, Jimmy Stewart, George Bailey says, I wish I'd never been born. And Clarence is like, oh, there's an idea. Mm-hmm. And so he shows him what, you know, the town. What kind of an impact he's had. Bedford Falls would have been yeah. like without him. And it's called Pottersville. And yeah. a lot of people are... The people that he knows in his life are living lives that are not yeah, as happy, a, it's as much, positive. It's a much darker yeah. existence for these guys. Potter owns everything, and there's there's gambling, and there's dancing girls. And so it's kind of like Back to the Future number two. A little bit. That actually came to mind when I was watching it. The alternative, you know, the Biff-verse. The, <laughs> the, Biff, know, Biff-ville? The Biff-ville. What's his name? Biff... Uh, Mc- Ah, uh, shoot. Does Biff have a last name? Yeah, he does. Come on. You got George McFly. But uh, so Clarence shows him, while you're looking that up, Clarence shows him what life would be like if he had never been born. Biff Tan- Tannen. Is it Tannenville? Oh, maybe. Biff Tannen. That's who it and, is. Uh, and uh, George has a change of heart and mind. He realizes that he's, he's done a lot of good and the community relies on him more than he understands. And of course, in the end, they bail him out. All the people he'd helped over the years bring money and chip in to raise that $8,000 to pay off the, you know, his debts for the year. Because his, his uncle, who was in his business partner, had lost the deposit they were supposed to make <clears throat> at the <clears throat> bank. Uncle Billy. Because they had an account with the bank. Yeah, and he was making... Which was owned by Potter. Right. Which is unusual, which seems weird, but that that makes only, sense if you understand how right. financial 
institutions are interlinked and who owns who. Another, I think another uh, series, uh, series, it's a long investment, but my wife and I just watched Poldark. Have you seen that? Mm-mm. That's about um, a turn of the 19th century um, Cornwall Englishman. And it's really beautifully shot. It's very dramatic. It's a huge soap opera running five seasons. But it's kind of about this guy, Ross Poldark, who's more a man of the people trying to help the people out. And then all these wealthy uh, businessmen, uh, gentlemen, you know, uh, er, uh, people who come from money, who have money, who are trying to get more money and how they're, they're working with or against each other to destroy each other or to you know, what their, what their motives are, whether they're good, neutral, or bad. And there's a, there's a bank failure in that series also that's interesting because, you know, the way it was caused and, and the lack of care for regular people exhibited by the, the wealthy elite, it seems kind of, you know, reminiscent of uh, <laughs> our culture today and, and of course, uh, the, the 30s and 40s. So, um, but, but I feel like the, the plight of the everyday person is, it's, it's just an interesting, um, exploration of all of that. Right. So what's number two on this list? Well, I don't know. Do you want Are to talk we... about, uh, it's a wonderful, we're, we're not going to go very long today. It's a wonderful life is worth, uh, its own episode, I think. Uh, we we get to we could get to some more Christmas movies here in a minute, but there's a couple more things I want to tell say about It's a Wonderful Life that make it so significant. Um, it's from a, a man's point of view. Like George Bailey has a lot on his shoulders. He's he's your prototypical guy that every guy was supposed to be in the 1940s. He he's got a little bit of a character flaw because he didn't make it to World War II. Why? Because his hearing was uh, affected by an accident that was had when he was a kid, right? Well, he saved his brother's life. Right, but it's it's sort of been a a, a downgrade for him because he didn't right. get to serve in the war, right? Right, right? It made him like less than a man. Right. Because what were all the men doing in the 40s? They, they were, were at the war. And if you were 4-H, you were less than desirable. Right. But in George Bailey's case, it wasn't like a physical de- deformation. It was... His he was deaf in one ear. Yeah, he was deaf in one ear, and that was because he'd saved his brother. Who there was unintended consequences, right? He went on to save a whole platoon or something like that. Right. He got the Medal of Honor. I don't know what it was. Yeah, but he was a big shot in the war, all because of George. And had he not lived, George would have gone, uh, or uh, his brother would have never lived, and all those men would have died. Um, he he fills this prototypical working building man's role that we we don't see in movies very often i think that's one reason why it's laudable because you know even though for the women out there they might look at this like oh yeah there's there aren't any really good strong female roles or their traditional wives you know they don't they don't have much to do except just fawn and faint and oh you know George, you're gonna save us trad wives they call now traditional wives yeah trad Trad, wives trad wife yeah yeah, so they're so the whole society is dependent on the men, and they they don't have uh, a lot of effect on on the outcome. But if if you're the hero in the story, that's you know if if you're the provider for the family, if you're supposed to grow up and be a man, that's what it was thought of to be a man, and what has been thought of to be a man for most of history is that you are there's a lot riding on you, and especially if you're somebody like George Bailey who has maybe not aspirations, but some sort of an inner drive to be helpful, to build his community, to so he has goodness within him. I mean, there's a lot riding on this guy. And Clarence the angel shows him that there's a lot riding on him, right? Mm-hmm. And he's, he's not living in an extravagant home. He's living in a home that he and his uh, love interest, his, his companion, soulmate, whatever you want to call it, I mean, if I falls deeply in love with his wife and they, they're fixing up this old home, because they see the potential, right? He is someone who sees potential. That is a godly attribute, right? The whole thing is about how not only does the does the man improve 
the culture that he lives in, but he's a potential finder, a potential developer, somebody who, who sees the goodness and expands on that. I think that's really significant because we don't see a lot of that kind of plot developed, that, that kind of story angle developed in our movies today. It's, it's usually just start out with somebody who's already got godlike capabilities or, um, Right. Or just doesn't have to do much. There's not, there's not a lot of character development, you know. There's not a lot of of believable conflict and believable difficulty that shows a person rising to the top and being so influential. And and at, at the end of the story, as you pointed out, he, he there's nothing that he can do. He can only see. Clarence can only show him what what good he has added to the world and it's his friends who come to his um aid and we find that that eight thousand dollars even though it was stolen really right like right. A, a good person would have would have basically said look you dropped your you dropped this Right. Your 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 um your uncle who <laughs> just wasn't very careful <laughs> left the deposit yeah, the, here. Uh, the uncle's a little bit uh, absent-minded. Yeah, but it, who who doesn't have somebody like that in their story, right? Right. You got to just because he doesn't get the deposit to the right place at the bank doesn't mean the bank shouldn't have taken his deposit officially, right? Instead, Mister Potter steals it. Steals it. He's the evil one. <laughs> he is. He really represents the evil one. Oh, and, he, yeah. and they do a great job showing how a small percentage of the population has risen into that uh, to, to control those resources. And that's, that's one of the reasons I like Poldark. It shows, it, it kind of makes a caricature out of the, the bad guys but they're, because they're so evil. You just, <laughs> you hate them. And they do a good job making, making uh, these villains. That's, I've always contended that a, a great story has to have great villains. And so, anyway, you've got this great juxtaposition between the the guy who sees the potential and and Mr. Potter, who's totally evil and just taking all the resources of the world, and he shouldn't he shouldn't have control of it. In a better world, which we like to talk about, he wouldn't have that kind of control. Right. The society wouldn't allow him to just take that stuff and keep it just because he saw it first or whatever, you know, because he was issuing money or he was issuing loans. George Bailey represent, represents essentially the Zion guy because he's, he's saying, well, no, your effort's over here and your, your life's force is into so-and-so's home. I can't give you the money. The money is just a representation of stored up labor and effort. And so all of your Pottersville represents the scarcity that, that the labor is not there. The people didn't put it forth because Potter took it all. Mm -hmm. He's the devil. <laughs> He's the, the devil and his angels who have made this world hell. And Pottersville is dark, you know? So, so George Bailey, uh, we, we just don't have, uh, we, don't, we don't make these kind of, even though it's traditional and you've got trad wives, if that's a bad thing, it's not. Um, traditional roles, you've got a guy who's very godly, who's going about a godly work and it improves his culture. And um, we're... We are severely lacking in our society today making men like that. We don't tell our boys, yeah, you, it's good. You, you, may ha you may be deaf in one ear, but look at what you, what you can accomplish and how it'll affect you. And in the end, his community comes back and saves him. Mm -hmm. And that is wonderful. It's heavenly because they take care of him because he took care of them. And he showed them a better way than Potter's way. Right. So I, th I anyway, I, that's my big uh, impromptu soapbox on It's a Wonderful Life. But I think it's excellent. I haven't seen it in a while, but they you're not going to miss it. Right. If you if you want to see it, it's probably on 100 times during the Christmas <laughs> season every year somewhere. It uh, I dropped a little bit of trivia about that movie and it blew my daughter's mind when I told her that the famous, iconic, beloved Sesame Street characters, Bert and Ernie, are, yeah. are named after the taxi driver and the cop. Really? It's a wonderful life. She's <laughs> like, that's the dumbest thing ever. There's no way that's and then true. Then she had to look it up. <laughs> so she looked it up and 
Yes, it's Google, true. Google I don't confirmed. know why it's. <laughs> I don't know. It, it's funny because it's not like the those two are some iconic duo in "It's a Wonderful Life." They have one scene together where they find the uh, right the, the, the despondent George Bailey rummaging through the ruins of of his of his alternative universe house. You know, mm-hmm. he's walking through, going, "Mary." Mary, where are the kids? It's like the, the house is like literally collapsing, and yeah. you're wondering where your wife and kids are. But and then he finds so Mary, symbolic, scares her to death. Yeah, because she's like doesn't know him, doesn't want him. Right. But yeah, Bert, Bert, and Ernie. Yeah. <laughs> so we have that too. From the, uh, add that to the ton of really wonderful things yeah, from It's a Wonderful Life. Him, then they made him gay. Did they? I think so. Bert They're Ernie. insinuating it. I think so, but everything—it's everything's gay now. Everything goes bad. That's the entropy, entropy world that we live in. It's all going to hell. Um, well, anyway, what are some what are some other Christmas movies? Well, let me you like? take a cr- crack at what this guy with this list has is number two. Because I'm not seeing the list. Okay, the list is Die Hard is number two. Oh, okay, you, you want to skip that one? Yeah. Number three, Gremlins. <sighs> number four elf okay elf is great elf, elf, is, is, par, elf is awesome it is like the epitome of an ex of a christmas movie par excellence by the way this 2023 is the 20th anniversary of elf it's been that's out right years believe it or not uh elf is an awesome show uh, really fun will farrow at his finest the picture they show is of him having uh, spaghetti and Skittles or something like that. It's part of the four major food groups. Candy, candy canes, candy corn, and syrup. Yep. (laughs) It's it's a brilliant movie. We watch it multiple times every Christmas season. It's it's a family favorite. Uh, Number five, I'm going to guess, is... Bad Santa. Oh, a movie I've, that I've never seen. But I've number six is that. number six is Home Alone, which is another one we watch all the time at Christmas Home Alone's time. great. We watched that yeah. a couple weeks ago or a week ago. Keep the change, there's, you filthy there's animal. A lot, there's a lot of fun internet YouTube theories about Home Alone out there and, and, and people that point out how awful Kevin's family is. Just horrible. You got the uncle that just yells and screams at him, and he's a complete freeloader. And you got these theories about Kevin's dad and how he must be involved with shady deals. No one knows what he does, but he's got tons of money. He's traveling all over. <laughs> and uh, anyway, it's fun out there. But it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a completely ridiculous, absurd, but awesome movie. Like it, and Home Alone 2 holds up as well. The, the New York, but nothing's yeah. quite like the original. No, the original is, is awesome. That's, it's a super fun show. 1990. That's one where you could say they don't make them like they used to. Right. Number seven. Take a guess at this uh, one. National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. You're doing that because this is a weird list because they had Die Hard number but, two. But I like that. That's a great movie. Okay. <laughs> or how about A Christmas Story? Clark Griswold. It's A Christmas Story. 1983. A Christmas Story is uh, number seven on their list. I like that one. I, I like that one for all the obvious reasons, but also because in the end... The dad is the hero. He comes through. Right. Yeah. So funny, the narration on that. Is National Lampoon's on there? It was the, the headline um, picture, but I, I don't see it yet on the list. I'm, I'm down to number... Eight. Let, let's see, number eight. It says Edward Scissorhands. I, I guess I haven't even watched that. Is that a Christmas movie? I don't know. I haven't seen that since forever. It's 1982, The Snowman. Johnny Depp. Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, 2005. Yeah, this is one of those alternative lists a little bit where they try Yeah, to- maybe these are movies that they... Charlie Brown, Christmas, number 11. Then they've got Batman Returns. Uh, <laughs> this, women, is not a, two th- this is not a Christmas This is not movie. a trad list. The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Uh, Miracle on 34th Street. There's a Christmas movie in Bruges. Uh, Shop Around the Corner, Carol, The Muppets Christmas Carol. That, Night- one's, that, that one's good. Nightmare Before Christmas, Bridget Jones Diary. Is that a Christmas movie? <laughs> You've got Mail, Trading Places. That is a Christmas movie, kind of. <laughs> Arthur Christmas. They get to that at number 25. 
Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol, 1938, is 26. You're down to 26, and there's no National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Holiday Inn, Die Hard 2, While You Were Sleeping, Christmas Evil, About a Boy, Meet Me in St. Louis, Number 33, National Lampoon's Ugh. Christmas Vacation. Okay, that just... 1989. This list is... That undermines the credibility of that entire list. Because Christmas Vacation is a top 10, no doubter. And a lot of those aren't really Christmas movies. No. Come on, list. Come on, list. This maybe, the we, first, maybe we won't link to that This list. was the first link off of Google. <laughs> It's got more Christmas movies now. Christmas Vacation is an all-timer. Yeah. Babes in Toyland, Mickey's Christmas Carol, uh, 1983, Christmas Tale, White Christmas, that finally we get to White Christmas, Claws, 2019, I heard that was pretty good, an animated one, Krampus, 2015, Lethal Weapon (laughs) is on the list. Uh, <clears throat> the Polar Express that should be higher on the list shouldn't it Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer 1964 that should be high on the list do you remember that from when we were oh, kids oh that's a classic oh and the Santa Claus with Tim uh, the Santa Claus with Tim Allen yeah, that's, that's a, funny that's a, that's a great one too um, yeah the um, the the uh, that original Rudolph the uh, elf pays homage homage to that when he, uh, with the snowman and when when elf when buddy the elf goes out onto his journey right yeah and, and you know he breaks off on the eye, piece of ice and uh, you know that's a little hat tip to the original animation that that stop motion animation of rudolph the red-nosed reindeer yeah that original rudolph is awesome it still holds up to this day it's just it's a it's a classic yeah it is classic and they don't even have the Grinch on this list. Uh, none of the Grinches. They list Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone as number 50, which, I mean, this list... It's not a Christmas movie. This this article has failed us. There's but Christmas... Except, except that it did get the first movie correct. There's Christmas in that And the movie, second movie, But it's correct. not a Christmas movie. Yeah. Got the first and second movies correct on the list with Die Hard <laughs> and It's a Wonderful Life. But, uh, well, anyway... Um, we were planning on doing a short episode today. Yeah. Why? Because we can. Next. Because we have gifts to assemble for our children. And to box up and return to the poor and the needy or something. While the poor and the needy run the store. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> Next Monday is New Year's Day, so I propose we record on Tuesday again. Yeah, I think we're going to end up doing that. Because I'll be up all night partying. You know how I celebrate. On New Year's Day, you yeah. celebrate oh, on, we, at, uh, on the evening of the day? We are. We get we get after it on New Year's Eve. Last yeah, year, I... You're st- talking about the New Year's Day, January 1st. Well, you're going to be up that night, too? No, January, I'll be hungover. All the way through to the second. Yeah, I'll sleep all day. Okay. You know me. I so the hangover. Last year, the hangover. That's like a good Christmas movie. Last year, I stayed up on New Year's Eve until well after dark. <laughs> really? Well after dark. Well, that's sort of unbecoming a man of your station. <laughs> um. <laughs> All right. Fine then. You need to list your con- your favorite Christmas movie or movies. Yeah, let us or know what we missed. Shows or, in the, or in what? the comments. Give us some commentary on why these are <clears throat> are good or not good Christmas movies. What you think makes a good Christmas movie? So my top three would be hmm. I'm not gonna I'm gonna list three. I'm not necessarily gonna say that these are in order, but my three favorite are Lampoons, National Lampoons, <laughs> Christmas Vacation. That's another one where the dad is the hero. He's just trying to have give his family a nice Christmas. And his family's a bunch of lunatics, his boss is a lunatic. But it all comes together. And he's kind of a lunatic. His family's a bunch of lunatics? Well, yeah. Like, they're just characters. <laughs> well, they're characters in a movie. The wife, she's... 
She's a trad wife, if you're going to use that terminology. Uh, yeah. Like Clark, if you if you zoom out, like Clark Griswold is just the everyman trying to give his family the, the American dream, right? Yeah. Nice vacations, good holidays, nice gifts at Christmas. That's all he wants. That's all he wants is just to... He just wants to provide well for his family and the whole world a good, seems... A good Christmas tree. ...aligned against him. Yeah. <laughs> The roof is aligned against him. The world is. His brother shows. Is his brother that shows up, or her brother? His cousin Eddie. His cousin Eddie with the with the RV. Yeah, get yourself something nice, Clark. (laughs) Yeah, that played by troubled actor Randy Quaid. He's had some legal issues and things, but he's kind of in real life become cousin Eddie, but. but uh, he's on the he's on the Twitter. He tweets now and again. Oh, he f- he was in Independence Day. Yeah, I'm back. Up yours, mother. <laughs> but uh, so yeah, that that movie. Okay, Christmas Vacation, Christmas Story, and Elf are probably my three favorite movies. Now I love the traditional Rudolph because it's there's so much nostalgia there, and I love Corn. Uh, uh, Yukon Cornelius, the greatest prospector in the north. <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> and Charlie Brown Christmas, I think it's great. There's they actually address Christianity in that one. They have a nice nativity and a mm-hmm. nice speech. Linus gives a beautiful speech. Mm-hmm. Not something you see a lot of in mm-hmm. modern Christmas. So uh, yeah, leave us your favorites. If you what are, what are your top three, Jordan Bruno? Huh? Or three favorites? You know, um, Elf is <laughs> so awesome. It's on the list of top three, definitely. And a Christmas Story from 1983 is just so iconic i don't know it's just it's just so well done and you got the kids got uh he's just narrating it his future self narrating about his past self right right but it's not very far in the future it's still kind of a kid that's narrating it isn't it well and it's or at it, least the kid it, part of him it, is it narrating captures it captures perfectly i think what the christmas experience was for a kid of his age where just everything every day Christmas. It's every day is on your mind. He finds out so many things, like the the charade of the Santa at the mall, mm-hmm. the um, the decoder ring debacle. Right. It's there's a lot of eat, drink more Ovaltine. Coming of age. And yeah, it's a lot of it's a lot of realizing what the world is. Um, you know the the prize that his dad wins the lamp that his it's, mom hates. It's a lamp. Uh, and uh, and in the end, he realizes that his his dad is the hero, and his his relationship with his dad is is improved. And he has to deal with the bullies at school. The kid gets his tongue stuck. Uh, it's tra- really rough. traditional, like how Ralphie feels at school. You know, it's like right. kind of scary. Right, nothing's going. It's from the mind of a child. I I really like I really like it. Yeah, and he grows up a lot in in the course of the film. Yeah, he has to he has to confront a lot of realities, and including shooting your eye out. <laughs> uh, there was an iceberg, an icicle, fell. <laughs> and that's what's great about it. Guns are dangerous, right? <laughs> they can be, and and uh, his. Um, his dad, the way his dad kind of hides that behind the tree. Like, yeah. oh, there's one more. Yeah, classic. That's so classic great. Classic moment. So great. But yeah, there, there's so much to like about A Christmas Story. So I've got Elf, A Christmas Story. And then when I was a kid, I really loved the Rudolph thing. I loved the Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer idea for some reason. Mm-hmm. And that's great. So, um, but that, I, I, I've got to throw It's a Wonderful Life in there just for all the reasons I've already right. uh, discussed. Right. I think there's a reason we see that every year. Um, and maybe, I don't know, is it losing, as the older generation dies off, is it losing its momentum? 
It'd be unfortunate if we lost that one. I maybe. I it mean, it would be unfortunate. We we kind of we didn't force, but we sort of. They had no alternatives, but we right. kind of made my kids watch it, and and they liked it. Yeah. I mean, it's not. It's not a fun movie, right? There's not. No, it's a serious movie. You got to think and you got to listen. The, the dialogue's. I mean, it is quick. Yeah, it, asks, it asks a little bit of the of the viewer. But yeah, so I, I, I'm going with It's a Wonderful Life, um, A Christmas Story, and Elf, just because I have to pick three. Honorable mention Die Hard. <laughs> Die Hard is a totally a Christmas movie. If you don't get that, you don't understand. Um, the mind of men in the 20th century. So, all right, it is a Christmas movie. Well, we both have. Well, I don't want to speak for Jordan, but we both have obligations, which is why we're going to be a little shorter today. That's right. We're get we got to get out of here. Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry Christmas. It's been fun serving you on the Mind Virus Show. Who knows what 2024 will hold? We have our year in review episode live. Uh, None of you have commented yet, but listen to that one. And uh, our predictions episode is coming soon. Meanwhile, other people are engaged in predictions out there. Somebody on CBS, of all places, is predicting a black swan event. There's some dire predictions coming from... You know the, uh, the 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 legacy or the mainstream. Yeah, sources. if that's if when that starts to happen, when you start to see the synthesis in media, like corporate media, then you know the big whammies coming. So, so yeah, 20, 2024 will be interesting. Um, Hold on we, to your butts. We need to watch the movie that the Obamas produced. What's it called? Leave the world. Leave behind. the world behind. Yeah, we need to watch that and then comment on it because. That looks like predictive programming. There's a sequel coming out called Leave the Birth Certificate Behind. <laughs> oh, oh, boy. Oh, boy. Hillary was the original truther. Birth certificate truther. Mm. Let's not forget. Let's not forget. Lest we forget. Uh, <laughs> well, anyway, everyone have a great uh, New Year's Eve celebration. We'll see you next week. Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry Christmas.